This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Hey, mamas. The episode I'm sharing with you this week is one that will touch the souls of many, many actors I know out there. Now, I know, of course, you're not all actors, but being that I'm based in New York City, and I'm an actor as well, I know that many of you out there are listening. So I had the honor of speaking with Liz Racanelli from the Broadway Company of Hamilton. Liz brings us through what many actors fear, the joy of being on the road, being employed. She was traveling with her infant, seeing the world, and then moving back to this concrete jungle of New York City and not knowing when the next job would come. This mama, like many actors, didn't make it, as they say, on Broadway before becoming a mama. And she tells us how, instead of holding her back, it actually improved her auditions and not only made her a fuller person, but a more rounded and engaging auditioner once she returned to the audition scene. It's a very inspirational story, and I know it inspired me as an actor. So please help me welcome Liz. Hey Liz, thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed for my podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you. Oh, I'm so excited to chat as well. Thanks for having me. Of course. For our listeners, before we get started, can you just um, tell everyone where you're joining us from? I am uh, currently in a quiet apartment (laughs) on the Upper West Side, which is very rare. My daughter is out of the house right now, and so is my husband. So this is an opportunity. (laughs) A morning to just go crazy and and, uh, have an interview on a podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Not an everyday event. So that's great. Both things are not an everyday event. I love that. So will you, just to start us off, take us through life before you had your baby and tell us what that was like prior to her. Yeah. um, So I uh, am mainly a dancer, singer in this crazy business. You're a Broadway performer, correct? Yes. Well, always, always, uh, going for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So life before Evie, um, looked like, uh, lots of classes, dance classes, um, time to like take voice lessons, take class and obviously auditioning a lot. And, um, as a day job, I, um, actually tutored, um, which I loved doing. I tutored for a really long time. Um, and that was how I made money, which was great because I really love educating and being with kids. And it was kind of a nice break from um, just like the acting community. And it was something pretty different. And I could kind of turn that part of my brain a little bit off and I could enjoy a different, you know, way to spend time with other people, which was great. I loved, uh, you know, helping parents out, navigating schools and curriculum, and um, also really loved being with kids. So it was, it, it was really a good balance for me. That's wonderful. And how long were you with your husband before you decided to have a baby? We were married for four years before we had Evie. And Michael and I have been married for seven, but also together for, I think it's close to almost 15 years. It might be 14, but it's about, it's around there. We've been together for uh, a long time. Is he a performer as well? Yes, he is. Um, He, he and I both met um, actually just taking class uh, like a very long time ago. I was in school in the city and he was studying in the city as well. And we, met taking class from Andy Blankenbuehler and David Marquez and Josh Burgos uh, a million years ago. And we were friends for a while and then we were dating. And while we were dating, he um, worked a lot. He, he was in a couple of Broadway shows and um, toured as well. And, um, Yeah, so he's a performer and now more transitioning into 
choreography and um, starting that path like more aggressively now, which is which is exciting. So I want you to tell us about your pregnancy, but before you do that, what made you feel secure enough as an actor? Because this business is so crazy and unpredictable. And with both of you in the business, what made you feel comfortable enough to decide to go for it and have a baby? That's a really hard question, I think, because I think that it wasn't so much me feeling comfortable as an actor. I think it was more of me feeling comfortable within our marriage and as an adult. Um, you know, I, I was, I was almost, I was about probably 33 and, you know, I'm getting, I thought in my mind, you know, I'm getting older and, um, you know, I didn't want to, be in my mind at that point, like too quote unquote old to start to try and have a baby. Um, and I also needed to balance that out with, you know, what I had achieved in my acting career and what I felt was, you know, was it ever going to be enough? Was I going to like feel satisfied with saying, I'm going to kind of hit the pause button and try to have a baby and it, I didn't really, you know, struggle with it, but you do really, I did really have to say to myself, you know, this feels like the right time. I didn't have like that big gig on my resume that I felt like, oh, I, I nailed it or like I did what I set out to do, um, which unfortunately a lot of times gets narrowed down to, you know, your on Broadway in New York. And it's, it's a narrow, um, it's a narrow field that I think that I was thinking of initially. And then I kind of let that go. And I thought to myself, well, this is a lifelong choice to be a parent. And if my career is going to go in a direction, it's going to happen whether I'm in control of it or not. And the timing, I just can't control of things. So I think I kind of let go of that idea. And I just thought to myself, you know, I've had some really great experiences. I've worked with great people. And like, let's just see what happens. And, you know, I was trying not to mourn my life as an actor or what I would feel like it would feel like to be past that point and be a parent looking back on something that, you know, escaped my grip. You know, I just felt like I needed to let go a little bit. And to me, it was more important to go for the life, the bigger life choice in my mind, which was let's start a family as opposed to, well, I didn't book my Broadway show yet. So I can't, I can't start a family yet. And I, that just wasn't, that wasn't how I wanted to approach starting a family, you know, it's really, I think it's, I think it's really hard to not fall into like that kind of a trap. Like, Oh, well, as soon as I get this, then I can do this. Exactly. Um, and so to just clarify, you hadn't booked a Broadway show before you decided no, to start the family. No, no. Well, I just have to say, I mean, for me, and I think many people that will listen, you know, I don't have an audience of all actors, but I know that a good majority of them are. And I just hope that that's a little bit comforting for them. And I know that it is for me because for a while there, I was battling with this idea of, you know, what is success? And so often as an actor, if you're focusing on theater, it is Broadway. Right. And I had that as such a revered thing that was up on this pedestal. And for whatever reason, if I didn't get that before, as you said, you start a family, I did worry about, you know, you said that beautifully, mourning your career. I mean, it it, it does have this essence and this feeling of my career is going to end. And the bottom right. line is it doesn't and it doesn't have to, but we're so narrow-minded 
as actors that, and we have to be because we have to be so um, focused and nothing else matters. You know, the people who aren't focused are the ones who decide to take other paths and that's wonderful for them, but you really need that, that focus. So that's really comforting to hear from you. Um, Thanks for sharing that because I think, um, I think we have to start looking at it as a combination of life and, you know, also once it seems as though for you, and you can get into this later, but it seems as though for you, you, you made that decision to start a family and then other doors started opening just naturally. And that's probably also because you were just happy and living your life and taking care of your daughter and then things just started to work for you. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. So if you could now um, just take us into what your pregnancy was like. Um, It was, well, first of all, I didn't even know that I was pregnant. I had, I had such bad heartburn that I was convinced that I had an ulcer. Oh my goodness. I, I, it was, Michael and I were trying to have a baby. Like, again, this is also something that you'll I mean, some people experience, and I look back on realizing that I was trying to like put my control over something that's very much out of my control. And we were saying, oh, if let's, let's have a family, number one. Okay. So now number two, if we're going to try and get pregnant, we have to get pregnant between this month and this month based off of his next commitment, which was traveling to Australia to to audition people for a show. That's so, a little stressful. <laughs> yeah, like no problem. And, you know, you really, you know, being an adult, I spent so much of my adult years trying not to get pregnant and then everything changes and you're like, please, I want to be pregnant. So that's also a mind mess because, you know, you think that you're doing everything that you're supposed to do and then you wind up not getting pregnant and you have to try again. So there is a lot of up and down just when you're like, okay, let's try and see what happens. And you try and be breezy about it. But it it was disappointing when, you know, it took a couple of months, you know, get pregnant. So, um, so that was our first kind of lesson because we said, okay, the time for us to get pregnant and him to be able to do this other commitment had passed we will start trying again once he was back or whatever. And I swear I got pregnant that day. Like I, I, it it happened immediately after I said, okay, let's just not, we need to let this pass and we will try again another time. I think that was, I got pregnant almost instantaneously once I had that out of my mind. Let go of it. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was convinced I had an ulcer and I was with, um, a family member who said, are you sure that you're not pregnant? And I was like, oh, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm not even trying right now, which was true. But, you know, I didn't even realize. And then sure enough, I was. So um, I had, aside from the rocky start of, you know, serious, serious heartburn and feeling like I had an ulcer, um, my pregnancy was pretty fair. It wasn't, I didn't have, you know, morning sickness. I was like able to kind of keep barreling through my day. And in the beginning I was extremely tired, really, really tired. Um, you don't realize like the level of fatigue that you experience, especially in the beginning for me, it was really, really intense. Um, but then in the middle of the pregnancy, you kind of get a a second wind, so to speak. And then at the end, you feel, you know, you're just a little bit uncomfortable. And during this whole time, were you performing at all? I was not performing. I was um, working, tutoring, and also assisting other, like, smaller gigs just here in the city. Mm -hmm. So I was on my feet and dancing and being active, which I think helps, um, unless of course your doctor is saying don't do that. But I was still dancing, and I was working with a choreographer who's also a parent. Um, so that was really comforting because he, you know, just kind of let me 
do as much or as little as I felt like. So that was great um, and a nice support. And, um, you know, towards the end, you just move a lot slower and you bump into things with your stomach and harder to breathe <laughs> and to talk to a group of people and to teach choreography uh, when you are really out of breath with just regular things. So that exactly. Yeah. And so how soon after having Evie did you go back to work and did you start to perform? Again? Well, I, um, I really, I went back to work just with tutoring really part-time, um, probably about four months after, um, Evie was born and I really did it to, um, just start to create a balance of working again and being out of the house a little bit. Um, and you know, using your brain like the way that you did before you were a mom and also giving Evie time with someone other than me. So that's also, you know, obviously there's a lot of trust and it's extremely, it was for me nerve wracking to, leave the apartment, you know, and say, okay, this is, these are the recommendations and, you know, have fun. That was really hard to kind of take that leap. And I think it was a good thing for me to be out and about and do other things um, and just start like functioning outside of our own little world together because I think that um, I needed it. I needed like the short breaks and I think it was good for, for Evie as well. And so what was the very first performing job or when did you feel like you could start auditioning or reaching out to people yeah, to actually um, perform again? I um, auditioned for Hamilton probably – I think I was, Evie was about five months or four months, maybe five, I think five months. Cause it was around November, I think. Um, so it was my very first audition. It was an important, really important audition to me. Um, I didn't really feel ready to do it. And, you know, I spoke with my agent about it and I said, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but I, I think if I were to wait, um, I would just be waiting and I might as well just give it a shot. Like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. When is the right time? You might as well just dive in. Right. Um, and there's really never a good time. So, I mean, in my opinion, for me, like how I am mentally, there's really never a good time. There's always, I could always be adjusting something or taking a little more time to prepare or working on the, you know, music more. But I was like, you know what, what am I waiting for? Just go for it. And exactly. I, I do think that um, becoming a parent and going through pregnancy and going through childbirth, there's a very big shift. At least this was how I felt. Um, I completely shifted my perspective. Everything is different in my mind. So um, your like priorities and how you view opportunity, I think is completely, for me, completely different now. And um, it, it freed me up to like be in a room and audition and dance and, you know, have a good time. And um, it does kind of take away a lot of like the bullshit that you like pound yourself with uh, before being a parent. Like I think that well, you probably more so just walk into the room and you're like, you're thinking I'm a badass because I just bore a child. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so whether I get this job or not, I'm coming home to a baby. Exactly. So it's okay. Exactly. And like you really, I mean, having a child and going through childbirth, you feel like a super human. And really empowering and very like it's, it changes your life, you know, and it's your views just are altered. And I think for the better, in my case, it was definitely for the better. And, you know, you just approach things differently. So that was exciting. And 
I had that audition and then it was, you know, it went away for a while. Like I had no information and then it wasn't until, um, June. So months and months later that I had, um, to go in and sing. And, um, then it was months and months until I was offered a swing, uh, track in the Angelica tour. Um, so it was a long, it was a long process, but just really short snippets. Everything was just stretched out. So I just kept doing my thing. And in the meantime, you know, I just kept living our life and being a parent and dancing and singing and, you know, focusing on that as much as I can, as frequently as I could, which is never that much, you know, you're very busy as a parent. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's hard to set aside that time, but um, yeah, that was the timeline of that. So then when you got the offer, how did you, what did that look like for you? Because now you were about to join a tour, a national tour, correct? Yes. So you were about to join a national tour and did you plan on taking your baby and did you travel with the crew and cast? How did that work? Yeah. So 100% Evie was coming and I should also add, Michael was offered, um, to be the dance supervisor of the tour. So both of us were, um, offered positions on the tour, which was great. Yeah. And I, I know that that's, you know, like we, we hit the, jackpot with that because it would have been really hard to not do it like that. So Evie was always coming. I, I wouldn't be able to, um, not have her with me. Just, I just couldn't. Um, so the first and scariest hurdle to kind of get through this planning of how we're going to make this work was who is going to take care of Evie because we've, I traveled to Chicago with Michael and Evie uh, when Michael was working there for a few months. Um, but I wasn't working. So I was home with Evie and he was doing his show and, um, you know, it was, I was a stay at home mom out of town and he was doing his gig. So we haven't ever been in this situation where both of us were working essentially the same exact schedule and traveling all over. And, you know, we, we just hadn't experienced that yet. And I couldn't really find too many people in the business that I could say, how did you guys make this work? Um, it was, I was usually coming upon something where one parent wasn't working. Um, and they were, you know, touring, but they were taking like the, you know, they were taking care of the child. Right. So it was hard to find another family that was doing this similarly. And, you know, um, so that was nerve wracking cause I didn't have like too many models to kind of say, Oh, they did it like this. Let's try this. But, um, we needed to start getting the wheels in motion. So, um, there wasn't really anybody in our family that could travel cause that was the first like choice, you know, have someone that you trust. So, um, then we went to things like care.com and other nanny services. Um, and I was terrified because in my mind, I was thinking who would ever want to do this <laughs> because you don't know us. We have to, you know, our tour, we're going to join the tour in a few months. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard work being with a one-and-a-half-year-old at the time. And you don't know the parents. And you're giving up a year of your life. That was the other thing. We were looking for someone that could potentially commit to the whole year. Because thinking of replacing somebody on tour, that would be really hard. And your contract was for how long? It was for, we toured for a year, but we rehearsed in New York for a few months before we left out on tour. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, some people were saying, well, why don't you find 
childcare in every city, but that really wasn't an option to me um, because I had to imagine um, finding housing in every city, moving basically our entire life in almost one day from city to city, meeting a new person, and then going to the theater by five o'clock on Tuesday for sound check with Evie in a new home in a new city with a new um, childcare taker. So I yeah, that's a little frightening. It was too many variables. So I early on, Michael and I both said, you know, we really have to have one person. Um, so I would interview these people and say, like, why on earth would you like to do this? Like, I I actually don't get it. Um, and most people laughed and. Um, you know, we really, really lucked out. We have an awesome nanny. Um, and she is also a dancer. So she like understands, you know, our lives. She was, she's a young person. So, you know, she didn't have um, big family commitments in her hometown and she really hit it off with Evie. So that was great. And our time in New York, um, that we were rehearsing, was great because we were able to kind of filter in our new nanny um, just kind of slowly. You know, I would have her come for a little bit at a time for a few weeks. And then when we started full rehearsals, she was with Evie all day. And then um, by the time we were leaving for tour, you know, we kind of were familiar with one another and we, you know, were working out like how we like to do things and, um, just our communication. And so I felt good about heading off to Arizona with everybody because we had some time, which, you know, was not always the case, but I was really fortunate to have that time to like introduce this person to Evie and then, you know, and then have to do this important job. Exactly. So, I mean, I could talk to you about tour just because I think it's fascinating. I could talk to you about it for hours but I want to jump ahead a little bit. So now you've finished the tour. And as of today, how long have you been off of the tour? We got back from the tour um, at the end of January. Okay. So you've been off for a decent amount of time at this point. And tell us what life has been since then. What did it look like leaving tour and coming back to New York and not having another job? Or did you have something lined up? No. Did not. Do not. Um, It was really hard. It was very, very hard leaving the tour Um, for so many reasons. I I missed the show terribly. It was a really great experience. Um, But I did feel like the, the biggest factor was I really knew that it was time for Evie to be home. You know, she's, she was becoming a different person. Um, like she was growing and I think needed a little bit more consistency and, you know, to have a little more of a regular routine life. Um, and she was a champ the entire year, but right towards the end, we started to say, do we have to move or I want to stay in Pittsburgh? And I just felt like it was good timing. So that was great. In Pittsburgh was home for you? Is that why? No, that was our last city. Oh, I see. Our last city. So she she became very, you know, vocal about which cities we were in and what she liked about each city. And she started to say, like, I want to go back to Hartford. I want to do this and I don't want to leave this city. And, you know, I just, I, I felt like we were approaching the end of, um, you know, it was, <laughs> her time on tour was expiring what was hardest coming back just as a performer was, um, you know, you look at the clock at night and you put your daughter down to bed and you look at the clock at night and you're sitting on your couch and the week before you were on stage. And I think that that was really hard for me to, um, adjust to that because I really missed it. And then it's, it almost felt like the experience, not that it didn't happen, but your world just completely shifts. It was like a dream that you had been in. Yeah. 
it was crazy. I mean, I would be falling asleep at 930 and remembering that, oh, we're just, you know, finishing up such and such number right now if I were doing this show. So you're kind of, again, mourning the show, um, but also still enjoying being home and getting settled. Um, but that was that was actually the hardest transition was leaving the tour and coming back to New York was the hardest move um, for everybody in our family. Um, moving back into our apartment was basically a nightmare. <laughs> it was it was unreal. I couldn't even believe how difficult it was. Um, and are you speaking from an emotional point of view or are you talking about your your belongings and situating yourself? Oh, it was kind of both. Um, it, it took a lot to unpack our entire apartment. So that was draining. But being a parent, you know, you don't have uninterrupted time ever. So you're dealing with a couple of hours here at best, here and there to unpack. And, you know, we live in a one, I call it a one bedroom and a nugget. Like she, Evie has her own (laughs) little room that we call the nugget room. And it's, you know, there's no space. So we were luckily out on Long Island um, at my parents. So I would drive in, unpack for a little while and then drive back out at night. And Michael was already working and teaching in the city again. So he was busy with his schedule and also busy unpacking everything. It was, it was a three ring circus. And then mentally it was very hard. I I think Evie was really struggling with it too, because every part of her day just changed. Like immediately we our nanny was not living with us anymore. So that was a very big shift she had all of this time with me and Michael. So that was exciting to her, but also like what's going on. Um, So it was, and it came out in different ways. You know, she went through this whole sleep regression, like really intensely um, when we finally moved back into the apartment, which was March, the end of March, because it took us, a while to get back in here and, um, settled. So we moved back in, in March and we're just, you know, figuring out what it's like to be in an apartment again. That was also really challenging because she had been living in basically houses for an entire Mm -hmm. year. And it was a good year to do it, her activity level. And like, to give her some space as a toddler was awesome. So that was a real positive of being on tour because we had some really fun spaces that she was living in. And then I was extremely stressed out because our apartment is small. And I was like, she's two and a half. And the last time she was here, you know, she was basically a baby. So there was a lot of stress with um, rearranging and, just thinking about, is it going to be enough space for her? You know, I think that's a big issue with living in the city. You know, it's, it's tough. You know, you have to, you have to make small spaces work. And at this point, you clearly had so many things going on and you were juggling all these different emotions and her emotions. Were you additionally worried about work and the impending insurance and that sort of thing? Or were you just focused on your current state? No, there's never just one thing. You never, I mean, I, for me, I never worry about one thing. I, I think about many, many things. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, I think it's good and bad that I do that. I don't know. I can't really help it. I try and, uh, yeah, well, I'm the same way. (laughs) It's pretty brutal, but I think that's also part of, you know, your, your mind is constantly running as a parent. And I think that that's completely unavoidable and you got to find what works for you to help you filter out the mess. Like I make lots of lists and it's like, I love crossing things off a list, you know? But um, I was definitely stressed out, and I still am, about work. 
um, you know, it's, it's really tough to get back into auditions. Um, like just as a dancer, you know, you're used to doing one particular set of choreography for a year and a half. Um, it's really hard. It was, it is really hard for me to go into an audition and pick up new choreography. That's like my brain has that part of my brain has been turned off for a little while. So I'm still kind of waking that up and figuring that out. And so you're currently auditioning. Yes. And how are you managing auditioning with a baby? It's tough. Um, You kind of have to prioritize where, you know, maybe I would go to every audition that like I could possibly be somewhat right for in the past, you have to be a little bit more selective and navigate, um, your childcare. You know, is it worth getting, um, a babysitter here while you go spend four hours sitting around for probably two hours and dancing for probably an hour (laughs) and singing, you know, it's expensive, you know, it's really, it's not easy to do this. And I constantly, have to remind myself that, um, you, it's, I have to think of it as an investment in myself and eventually a career move, which could potentially lead to, you know, a new salary, which is all worth it. But it's very hard to audition and go to class knowing that you're double, you know, with class and voice lessons, you're, you're paying a lot of money and you're also paying, someone, if you're, you know, if Michael is already working, you know, then we're covering it with childcare and that's expensive. It's like a couple hundred dollars just to, you know, keep working on your craft, which is sometimes really hard to swallow. And sometimes I don't always think it's the best choice. Um, you know, you're always evaluating that cost, (laughs) which is tough because there's also a very big part of maintaining myself as a performer that brings me a lot of joy. Absolutely. Well, and you have to take care of yourself as well to be there for her and be a good role model for her. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you have to, I have to find the points in the week that I'm saying, okay, this is um, like my dedication points. Like I'm going to go to class. I'm going to have a voice lesson. I'm going to go to an audition. And that's going to be like my me time. Um, and it's not, it doesn't always work that that happens in the week and you just kind of have to roll with it and try for the next time. (laughs) So, and have you started backup tutoring or work like that? I really, I haven't, I don't really, want to do that. (laughs) My, my interests have shifted, um, a little now. And I really want to try to not, um, section off like my time and energy to things other than family and work. So to me, work being getting and being in the process of getting a new, performing job or assisting job, whatever it winds up being, I'm trying to just filter my energy and time, whatever spare time there is towards that, as opposed to like having an extra branch of um, tutoring. Yeah. Focusing more on your career instead of what I like to call your (laughs) J-O-B. Exactly. Very much so. The J-O-B, even though it's a great J-O-B. Yeah. And What happens, because I know this is one thing that I've always wondered about, what happens with your insurance? Do you get worried about that as you don't work? It's awful. The the insurance system is, it literally is the bane of my existence. Um, It was terrible during my pregnancy. It was terrible after birth. And I had these insane bills. Um, it's, It's just a nightmare. But That was one thing that was so great about the tour because I didn't have to worry about it finally. And I was, I have enough weeks now that I am covered, I think all the way until next July. 
But I mean, I say all the way until, but that will go by in a flash. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So I am very conscious of trying to find work that are like longer gigs or um, that could get me weeks because right now I have zero weeks in the bank, meaning I, I have to start fresh to earn insurance for further months. And that's terrifying. Um, because you know, it's, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. And one thing I didn't know that I thought was, um, maybe a good idea to share Michael, since Michael and I are both covered through equity, um, Evie, her insurance is half the price. So, and I was not aware of this, but because we're under the same plan, um, like let's say if her insurance was supposed to be $900 a month because we're both on the same Cigna, whatever, um, it goes down to, you know, about 450, which is really big deal. And like was a very big, you know, secret that I had no idea about. But now the second one of you goes off of it, it'll go back up. Oh, everything will be jacked up majorly. Yeah. It's really, it's really too bad. Um, and I wish, and I hope that maybe things will start to shift. Um, that our insurance through our union is not even more family conscious. I know they've made steps towards, uh, you know, getting this up to speed a little bit more, but it's just so antiquated and it's so expensive. It's completely unrealistic and it's very hard to manage and it's, it's stressful. It's stressful as hell. With that segue for those of the listeners who are performers, actors equity is actors equity is our support system for lack of a better word for the most part. Is there anything that they've supplied you with or that they offer that's been a big help that people might not be aware of? I think the information about um, when you have a dependent and you're both on the same plan, they, they helped us out with that, figuring that out. So that was great. Um, And in the past before um, I was on the equity plan, the health insurance. Um, I did visit their office a couple of times, and there are people there that are really, really helpful at explaining. They're great with explaining and helping you navigate. Um, the problem is sometimes the answers are just not the answers themselves, and how things are run are just not ideal at all. So yeah. I think that the staff of people are great. And they're working really hard to explain things and make things clear. But again, like their hands are pretty much tied with, um, you know, making things more manageable for actors and actors with families. Yeah. It seems like something that kind of needs to be brought up more often. I recently heard of um, some sort of information session that happened that I was wanting to go to and I was unable And I actually know one person who ended up going, so I should reach out to them. But I I know that they're in the process of making adjustments, but I think that there's definitely more that can be made for the future. And the other thing is maybe as more actors and actresses alike start to have families and work alongside each other, that it will become more of a solvable problem because I think in the past it just wasn't something that happened all that often, but now that it is, maybe it's just something that they will need to navigate just like anything else. I, I really hope so. And I hope they start to, you know, make that transformation because we need it. There's a real need and it's, it is becoming, I hope, and I, it seems like more common for people to have families and to still be working. It's, it's really important because people need to know that your life, it's still your life and your life doesn't end. It gets, you know, it gets added to with family life and that's amazing, but you don't need to leave your, your craft. Like we talked about in the beginning of the conversation, it it should go hand in hand and one just supports the other. And so 
we all need to kind of look at it from that point of view and not from something that is mourning another part of you or ending another part of you. It's just an addition that's, as it sounds like, as it sounds like from your point of view, just improves your life and your yourself as a person. Yeah. What is something that you want to share with hopeful moms who are actors or dads who are actors who are thinking about starting a family but are really hesitant? What's something helpful that you could share with them? Um, I think being a parent is one of the greatest joys that you could ever possibly experience. Um, and it's, it changes your life in a way that you can't even take into heart when someone's telling you it's something that when you experience, it just, it just fills you up. Um, and makes you a, a fuller person. There's just so much joy in being a parent. It's really hard, but there's, there's a part of you that's just, you just explode because it's such a special experience. And I think that that doesn't get put into a bottle and capped and put away as you go on stage. It just enriches everything that you do. Um, can't, you can't hide it. And as a, as a current unemployed mom actor, what advice would you give at this point in your career to people who are worried about what you're exactly going through? Um, I think just know it's going to stink sometimes. It's, it's not comfortable to not have a job. It's hard to make time for yourself. Um, and I think that, I mean, I'm just trying to give myself some sort of, um, some time and some like plan moments where I have time to work on my profession. Um, and no, it's going to suck a lot, <laughs> but it's, I, I, the thing with parenting and I think also with like performing, nothing is permanent, nothing, it's all temporary. So if you're in a shitty stage, it's temporary. If you're in a great stage, it's probably temporary too. And that's okay. Um, so I think that trying to roll with it, not getting discouraged, um, and just keep, keep going. I mean, it's, this is the marathon, not a sprint. And that's, if I had, you know, a sense of how much time it would take me to like be able to say, oh, this is like, I, I accomplished this big thing and I feel really proud of this. Um, you know, we don't have control over that. So I think don't miss, you know, the life that's going on right now. And just because you have (laughs) some other idea of what you should be doing, it's just, you just got to stay present and stay mindful and keep going. And they, the kids, Evie absorbs all, everything, your mood, your, your sense of pride, they get it. So I think it's, I'm happy that, you know, I have this career and I can show her what it's like to really work hard and to really be proud. And, you know, that's exciting to me. Absolutely. With that segue, I have one last question that I want to dive a little bit into the future, if you don't mind. And you can take a second to think of your answer. (laughs) But what's something that when Evie is 18, you'd like to tell her now? I mean, enjoy. I think I I see her having a lot of joy in very simple things. Um, Like the sunset. She loves the sunset. She, she's a very, she finds like pure joy in moments that are just very genuine. I think that I would want to remind her of that, not to get bogged down with whatever crazy social media will be at that point And just to keep it, keep it real. <laughs> Cause she's, 
she's a real genuine little person. And like, like luckily most kids are. Um, and I think just keeping it real and finding the joy in the simple things. I love that. That's the lifelong goal. Absolutely. And I think it's something we all need to be reminded of. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, to remind time. myself too. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Liz, thank you so much. And I want you to know that while the place that you're in at the moment is probably not the most comfortable, it's reassuring for me to just hear that you went through the journey that you went through and that it can happen and that you can feel like a rock star at the end of it. And it's empowering. So thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for sharing that with me. That makes me feel great. And it's it's really inspiring to hear that too. So, yeah. Congrats on what you've done so far. And I know that there's a lot more to come, but um, you're a mom. So yeah. <laughs> that's the best thing of all. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. At the end of the day, that's a great place to be. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping. Pumping.